podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi guys, welcome back to the Nina Kauser show. It was a lengthy international break and, you know, that game against Man United, I think everyone was kind of hyped up to it. It finished 1-1, plenty to talk about. And, um, you know, on a little side note, the Nina Kauser show is officially five years old this weekend and, uh, you know, um, 1-1 against Manchester United. But I'm registered at your local chippy, so feel free to send me my golden stick treats. But we are going to talk about this game, and there are plenty of talking points. I think blood was boiling, piss was boiling, and you know what? I have two awesome guests lined up for you. Joining me today, I am delighted to be joined by, you know, my friend, my brother, my partner in crime, We're on Daisy. Sometimes you hear him on the main AI podcast. It's Cam Branch. Cam, welcome to the show. Hi, Nina. How you doing? I'm good. You sound really chill, but I'm going to make you angry in a bit once we talk about the game. <laughs> I'm going to press yeah. all your buttons. Yeah, there's a bit of anger there. Don't worry. So, good, good, good. Yeah. Good, save it. I, I did wave at you this morning. I did drive past, by the way. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll get to that. I, I was obviously in the land of nod. Um, and obviously, and joining Cam... It's another calm voice, but once we get into the nitty gritty of this game, will he remain calm or will he lose his shit like Jurgen Klopp? It's a familiar voice. You've heard him on um, Rate Don't Hate, also on the transfer pod as well with Justin Wells. It is Tadiva. Tadiva, welcome to the show. Hey, Nina. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Really good, thank you. Um, I'm delighted to have both of you on. Uh, also, we, we have some callers as well. So, guys, before I get to our first caller, how do you feel after that? I mean, like, just the whistle's gone. How do you feel? Tadeva, I'll come to you first. I feel irritated mm. because before the game, we probably would have not wanted to take a point. It would have felt like a loss. But then you go through the game and you have to end up saying, okay, we're lucky to get away with a point here. Otherwise, you seem like a spoiled brat because, I mean, you look at the league table, we still haven't lost a game. We've just drawn away at Old Trafford. On paper, it all seems really, really good. But before this game, considering this is probably the worst United team I've ever seen, coupled with the fact that it's a manager that's not tactically astute, um, I, I really want a clock to go for the jugular here. But every time we, we, we want him to really go for it in games, it seems like he has that hesitation. So I think that's the that's clearly the norm. Whereas mm. you're just hoping maybe today's the day that he actually just goes for it. Um, yeah, so I think that's probably irritation more than anything. But on paper, it's still fine. In reality, it, it's a completely different picture for me. Absolutely. And Tadeva, you know, because I'm such a caring person, I've got to ask this question. Are you full of a cold? Yes, I am. <laughs> I, I thought that I've been really unwell over, over the international break, so I feel, yeah, I absolutely feel you. So thank you so much for joining us, you know, um, to do that. 
I, I was awful of the international break. And Cam, what about yourself? I mean, we spoke before the game. We always do when you were like, oh, we don't really travel well. And then we were kind of reminiscing about the Hooli and the Rafa days and even Brendan Rodgers. How did you feel after that? Uh, relieved. Um, very, very relieved. Um, I had no confidence at all going into the game, as you know. Um, I, I knew it would be the one game where United would turn up this season in a big way. Um, I know they obviously United had a, a, a really good result first game of the season against Chelsea, but they because they were so bad, I just felt they would have nothing to lose today, and they showed that you know in in the way they played. Um, that wasn't the United we've seen all season, and it wasn't the Liverpool that we've come to expect. Um, so to get a point at the end of it. Um, you, you you had to take that, especially with the way the first half was going. Nothing was going our way. Um, we weren't playing well. We we were really poor. We made them look a lot better than what they are, obviously. But to to get a point um, and still be unbeaten this season is 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 a big relief for me. Big big relief. For sure, absolutely. And um, I, I have to agree with you there. You know, a lot of frustration is a point. But for me, I think one of the reasons why I think maybe Liverpool, I just thought, I think going to Old Trafford isn't great anyway. But I think for me, the international break really unsettles us. I find it so disruptive. And, you know, the rhythm and everything kind of gets hindered with Liverpool. I It wasn't the ideal game and fixture for Liverpool but you know what they they got through it just about but it's about the callers and I don't want to hog up any more space they probably have something really insightful to say so why am I wasting my oxygen and breath let's give it to the people that actually love to talk on this show first up it is G's on toast welcome back hiya thanks for having me back again it's great to be here it's always great to have you, G's on toast. I have a theory. I think you just make a load of random names and voices and just appear on the show. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's I'm a long story behind up. it. Yeah, there's a long story behind it, but I won't go into it right now. For sure. Okay. Um, well, of course, you know, this is a big game. What thoughts and points would you like to raise with Cam, myself and Tadiva? Yeah, so, you know, obviously it was... It was a really difficult game and I didn't think we were very good at all, especially, um, you know, considering that we've had eight wins in the first eight games. You know, maybe it's, maybe we, maybe we should have had Adrian back in goal. Maybe that would have helped. Um, but anyway, I'm just joking on that one. Um, I, I thought the biggest issue was, um, well, I mean, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, Daniel James, um, like his his performance, I find really annoying because there was a couple of times when he went down on the you know a challenge, but nothing really to take him out all that much. But he spent quite a few time, uh, quite a few minutes on the deck um, uh, on a couple of occasions, and that kind of like wasted time in the second half. And uh, that's when they were one 0 up, and they were just trying to extend the time to to get the win. Um, but the the biggest thing is obviously the ref performance. I think. Uh, Everything seemed to go for United. You know, every tiny little decision, it was always a foul for them. Uh, uh, and um, you know, obviously, the biggest example is um, you know Lindelof on Norigi in in the build up to the goal that that wasn't given. Like it was a clear, like he clearly kicked him. Um, and how that goal could stand after a VAR review is, you know, 
Like, what is the point of VAR if people are going to review things on video and see clear fouls and then still not give them and still not overrule the ref? Um, you know, it, it kind of makes a, makes a joke of the whole thing, really. So, um, yeah, so, so what did the panel think about that? Because that is, that is surely like a, a really big question in that game. For sure, for sure. Um, obviously, there's two little segments there. Let's kind of talk about the dark arts by James. I mean, you know, he he hit the floor a few times. At one time, you know, um, the ref blew to Diva and thought it was a head injury. And then he did kind of sustain a head injury. And, you know, I'm sat there, lots of people are fist pumping. I'm sat there thinking, what workout does Fabinho do on, on his glutes to just completely just flatten him? I mean... If that was a Liverpool player, I don't think we'd get too angry. If, you know, I think it is an opposition player. We're quite frustrated. Liverpool weren't in the rhythm. They weren't in the groove. It was second half. You wanted, you know, you wanted Liverpool to kind of get into the game. He was kind of acting up a little. I mean, did you have any issues with him? Because for me, the only issue was it was a United player doing it. No, I think the only issue I had with that whole situation was the fact that our players bought into it. And it seems like a lot of the narrative that Man United creates over the Old Trafford fixture, we seem to buy into. Um, you know, it, whether it's James or it's Ashley Young or it's going to be a Rojo, it's always going to be at least one of the players that will purposely slow the game down, kick the ball away, Rojo kicking the ball into our players, Ashley Young picking the ball up and, you know, walking 20 yards back before he actually throws the ball two feet by his legs. So that our you know, so we can't take quick free kicks, and it's stuff like that that I think is ingrained in a team that knows they're not at the level they should be, or you know, considering the, the global standing of Man United, they know they they're not where they should be, but they know enough of the dark arts that they can you know implement them in a game. And if you look at, for example, the fact that Sir Alex Ferguson's in and around the training ground, Sha Michael's in and around the training ground whenever it comes to this fixed specific fixture, they're all talking about this kind of thing. You look at the way the, the narrative is created in the media, oh, this poor United side, oh, shame, poor guys, you know, Oli speaking, yeah, De Gea might not play, oh, we're really weak at the moment. And they're creating this whole lull. You best believe at their training ground, they're getting their boys proper pumped up for this game, like we're not going to give them an inch. And for you to purposely mistake and think that they're going to this game with the mentality of we're going to outplay Liverpool, that was never ever going to be the case. Their plan and the best plan for them and any team that can't match you from a you know a player to player basis and, and from team overall play is bring the team down to your level and beat them at that. And it seems like we keep falling into that. So the things like James falling down, lying on the ground, it's quite ironic because when he went down, we had the ball. We carried on playing. United then got the ball, and they carried on playing. So they could have mm-hmm. easily kicked it out. But then yeah. as soon as they lose the ball again, they start complaining, oh, why aren't you kicking it out? And I'm sitting there thinking, it happened twice in the same move. And I'm sitting there thinking, you guys had two opportunities to kick it out, and you clearly didn't kick it out. So why, why should we then have to kick it out? And it's that kind of narrative that, I don't know from a psychological perspective, if our players aren't quite getting that. Um, maybe also, you know, not necessarily having that. I, I don't know if it's having old players in and around the training ground, but having the 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 Liverpool ethos of 
what exactly this game means. I don't know if this game means as much personally to the players as it does necessarily the fans and whether or not that they're good and bad things with that. But I think that maybe the players get it more for Man United. And I think because they treat this game like cup finals, maybe that's why they get it more than our players at, at this point in our clubs like history. No, very interesting points there. And I like the fact that you kind of mentioned ex-United legends as well, having um, a massive input before this game. Sam Evans um, is joining us on Discord and he kind of typed, nah, no head injury, just smashed him, just winded him both times, I think. Even though he's Welsh, it's mad how much hatred I felt for him today. <laughs> Sam plus crying, laughing emojis. Come, what did you make of, you know, James's antics? And, uh, you know, I was getting a little kind of frustrated given the fact that, you know, the circumstances, you know, Liverpool having to kick out the ball out of play and stuff. But, you know, the flip side, if I'm a United, you know, I'm mad because it's an opposition player. Right. OK. Um, I've, I've got to agree with uh, Sam, to be fair. Um, he was smashed and he was smashed. And when you see the second one, he Oof. he went he went down. He nearly did a somersault the way he went down. This is why it I was... need to know what workout Fabinho's doing because it was literally yeah. his butt. Yeah, he just... <laughs> like it... It was just the the timing of it all. Uh, he just he got him good. Um, I'm I'm all for the dark arts. When you're when you're if if my team is playing is is in a bad run, I'm taking anything, any way of slowing the opposition down. Especially when you're playing the best team in Europe, you've got to do what you've got to do. So I don't have an issue with the dark arts of the games. I don't think he was actually genuinely doing the dark arts though. He was properly smashed. The first one, the referee stopped it. The second one, um, yeah, United didn't put the ball out and eventually Matip put the ball out, but Matip was also pointing at the bench. We, that's when we brought Ox on. So Matip put the ball out. It was almost like a tactical way he put the ball out. And then I, in that moment, we brought Ox on. So, yes, we had the ball. The ball was on the halfway line. We, you know we want to make a change. We all scream we want to get players on as quickly as possible when you need to make a change. So I'm I'm going to look at it that way that you know the, the change was there to be made. Um, the player was down. We, let's be honest, yeah. If that was one of our players and he and he hadn't moved that long, regardless of what the history of that player is, you're going to think there's something wrong with him. And it, we know what it's like now with the situations with head injuries and concussion. Granted, he didn't have con- you know a head injury or concussion. But nobody knew that at the time, you know. And then, and when they were um, uh, uh, the trainers were on the pitch, I'm, I'm sure I saw a bit of blood on on the t- you know whatever they were using to clean his face up a little bit. So he'd, he'd taken a bit of a whack there. So um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be too critical. And the reason I'm not going to be too critical probably is because we've got a point and we got away with it. So I'm yeah. probably a bit mellower. I'm probably a bit mellower than I would have been because. I was even right at the end when Ox put that uh, put that cross in for Trent. I was so angry at that point, mm. so angry because you know. But I'm sure we'll come to that later. But yeah, like I say, Dark Hearts all for it. You know, we want that's what we got Fabinho for. He, he, you know, he, you know that's 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 his game. Break the opposition up. Do what you got to do. Get the ball back and go. Yeah, and Cam, you know what you said? You were calm, and now I'm going. 
blood pressure. You know, us Asians, we eat so much salt, we suffer from that anyway. But you know what? This ref certainly fucking aided it. Talked to me about Atkinson. He infuriated me. As bad as Liverpool were, and obviously we'll talk about the game uh, as the mm. pod progresses, but the referee had an absolute shock. When Juzon Toss kind of singled out the the most crucial, significant moment of the game. I was speaking to my mum before this game, you know, and she's like, I'm not looking forward to it. She's a United fan, people, um, if, if you didn't know, but she's a United fan. She goes, I'm not looking forward to this. We're, we're dreadful. We lost to Newcastle. Don't want to play this game. I was like, dude, it's not about you being good or bad. All it takes is one dodgy decision in these games. And you know what? I fucking turned to <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I, when I saw the... Uh... The tackle on um, uh, it was Divock, wasn't it? It was, and, yes. Um, I saw him go down. I saw him holding what looked like his ankle. Uh, I'm not sure what part of the body he was holding, but he was. He went down. The play obviously carried on, you know, and we know what happened. And I've seen numerous replays, and I've listened to what the um, the Sky Sports team was saying at halftime. You know, Sooners and and Mourinho. And um, one, one, and uh, obviously the commentators were Carragher, Neville, and uh, Tyler as well. One person was saying it, he, he touched his calf. One person was saying he touched the back of his knee. One person said he touched his left leg. One person said he touched his right leg. So which part of the body did he actually hit? Everybody's saying he, he, he's touched a different part of his body. Now, the amount of contact there was, I'm sorry, but divot going down like that, I, I, don't, I don't see it. I really don't see it. I don't see how how he could have gone down like he'd been literally like he'd been shot. It, he was playing for the foul, and should I tell you why he was playing for the foul? Because he'd lost the ball, and he knew he'd lost the ball. His first touch there was awful, and that was that was throughout the game. And we, and we can criticise the referee for having a shocker, but we've got to be critical of our players today. Our, our ball retention was awful. Our, our decision making on the ball when we were passing the ball was awful. That first half, we, we, we deserved, as harsh as it is to say, we deserved to be in goal, Dan, because we needed a kick up the arse. We, we did not play at all in the first half. And you've got to be more critical of the way we played. If we'd played like we started playing in the last 15, 20 minutes and started the game like that, the conversation now would be completely different. Because we would have wiped the floor with them. We would have won 3 4 nil without a shadow of a doubt. We did not turn up today. They, they out-muscled us in midfield. Our midfield was non-existent in the first half. Ginny started off well. Fabino was okay. Hendo was... I'm not really sure what he, he, he gave today. But, and they, it almost felt like Oli out-tacticked us. In the first half, by pushing the, the by playing three at the back, but pushing the two wing backs further up onto our wing, our full backs, and stopping our full backs from playing, and we didn't we didn't know what to do. You just got to look at all the crosses Trent was putting in today. Awful decision making throughout the game, and I'd I'd I'd, I'd rather say that was more of a problem than what the referee did on the pitch today. Oh, fucking hell! If we played our game, we wouldn't be talking about the referee. It would have been irrelevant. That's the point I'm making here. Because at the end of the day, the referee didn't think it was a foul. 
I'm I'm looking at the replays, trying to figure out where was the foul myself, because everybody said it was a, a different part of the body. One you was need, you need glasses, brother. You definitely was... need Nina's glasses. I think. Uh, well, I'll be honest. I, with you. Are you talking about the Origi thing? Yeah. Yeah. He clipped his one. ankle. He clipped both legs. The first one, then the second as well. Afterwards, like, how but is it not a foul? But then, doesn't matter how then, he goes down theatrically. If no, if no, 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 touches I, the I ball, yeah. If he touches the ball, that. I get I get the doubt where the referees had doubt. Didn't yeah. touch the ball. He was nowhere near the ball, and has gone through him. How is it not a free kick? How is that not overturned? I do not understand how it is not overturned. It is complete and well, utter well, horseshit from VAR. Yeah, it is again, once VAR, again. That's the Premier League rules. It's not VAR. That's the Premier League the way they're implementing VAR. No, 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 said, no, 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 it's not. No, no, it's the the, the said, people, the referees that are running VAR have themselves yeah. decided, as Gary Neville said in commentary, they right. decided that they will very rarely overturn referees with they, VAR. No, that's, that's, but then I VAR. just. It's not VAR. That's, that's, itself. that's wrong. It's the, it's the implementation of VAR. It's the referees inside using the technology that are yeah. running it as an old boys club, right? Yeah. And I've been saying it, we've been it. saying it was wrong. We've been yeah. saying it was wrong from, from day one, even when we haven't been affected by it. Now we've been, we've been affected by it more. It hurts more and it's going to come to the formal because obviously we run an, a, a Liverpool channel. But mm. to say it wasn't a foul, it's, it's like, just I, not possible. Kind of, it's yeah, not possible. I, I, like I said, I couldn't figure out which part of the body you'd hit after watching all the replays. I wasn't well, sure. Even Gary Neville, who's the most biased no, no, bastard I, I, in the world, said that he touched one leg and then the other. I tell you what, let me let me bring Tadeva into this. He probably sat there and I'm sure he's got something to say as well. Tadeva, um, there's lots of talk about why um, VAR, Gads has kind of mentioned it as well. We had a pre-chat before the pod as well and I think that was a point that Gizan Toss was making as well. I want to get your thoughts on this because clearly at this point, I mean, Gizan Toss said it as well, what is VAR? To me, it might as well just be Insta stories where you just watch things back. You, you know, like there's absolute, the way the referees are kind of treating it is an absolute joke. The officials that are meant to kind of help the referee along the way. The replay is absolutely spot on, but the decision making is absolutely shocking. Um, tell, talk to me about this. I think the simplest way to look at it is why don't we take examples of this, you know, third eye or third referee type thing from sports that have clearly used it and shown that it's quite successful. We look at cricket, we look at rugby. Rugby's mm. prominently in the eye right now as it's the World Cup. Um, and if you look at rugby, it's simple rules like the referee and the third um, official, the TMO, their conversation is mic'd up. So every single person that's watching the game can hear exactly the thought process of why they're giving a specific decision. In football, we have no clue what that conversation is. Right. So, so they could be just deciding what they're having for dinner and then just decide, you know, it's not a goal. We have no clue and no control. And at least, at least in rugby, you can hear the TMO says, look, um, I think it was a, uh, I think look at this angle. It's clearly a foul. The ref says, okay, I see from that perspective. I didn't think it was a foul. Then at least we know what the decision is and we know how they got to that decision. In football, there's no accountability in that sense. Also in football, the issue is that with VAR, we're using referees that are involved in games week in, week out. They're the VAR officials. Whereas in rugby, it's a completely unbiased third person that's not involved in the rest, the refereeing pool of people that, that are going to be called up. And what that helps with is it, it removes that, um, you know, that old boys, um, 
group that everyone's speaking about because as the you're no longer critiquing a person that could potentially be critiquing you next week because i think the issue that could happen is if um you know if it's howard webb upstairs and he's critiquing martin atkinson and then next week martin atkinson is the one upstairs and he's critiquing howard webb what if he you know because we are humans what if he now th- looks back and says i remember that one time when you took my uh, var decision and you know you you made me look a fool on live tv in the biggest match in you know in in the premier league season so i'm now going to make you look a fool the, i think that's the issue that we're having at the moment there's no clarity there's no accountability and then also the fact that you've got people that are refereeing week in week out that are part of that system now totally in terms of union should be should be a totally independent uh, qualified referees that are not a part of the premier league they should be in, independent and in there and 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 trained as refs know the rules and bought in to do this. Totally agree. Yeah. And then if you look at the incident itself, um, I think the, the issue comes in that um, when, when you look at the way that Origi went down, right, usually at this level of, of the game, um, the player himself, I think this is where you take accountability as a player. If you look at the way the, way the ref was judging the game, he was letting a lot of things go. Well before the, the United scored their goal, he was letting a lot of things that I thought were fouls, he was letting play go on. Mm. So surely you have to, as a player, have the, the, the intelligence, especially with strikers, you get coached to know how to play against a referee. If you see that the ref is not giving um, soft fouls, then you, you stand a bit stronger. You don't go flailing down. Or, you know, on the other side, if you see that a ref is giving, you know, he's being a bit lenient, you definitely go down. There are some refs out there, probably, you know, seven out of 10 refs that that would be a foul against Origi, um, in that situation. But if you look at the specific game, it's a big, clearly the refs thinking this is a big game. Um, I want to let the game flow. I don't want to give yellow cards too early. I can see that was his mindset. So Origi should have the, the, the intelligence whilst you're playing as a striker to think, okay, I'm not going to get anything from the ref here. I have to be a little bit stronger. Whether or not it's the right decision for the ref to say it's a foul or not, I think that then goes to personal interpretation. Um, but as the striker, you have to be a little bit smarter, which is why I might lean more towards Cam's side to say Origi should have been a bit stronger, yet you can also see why people are saying it's a foul because majority of refs would give that foul in any other Premier League game, but not the specific ref with the way he was refing the game, he was never going to give that, I don't think. Yeah, and it's quite interesting that you tie it in because Cam was kind of speaking about, you know, he was more angry at the performance than the referee. And I kind of felt like when the... when I think Gags made the point as well, um, pre-pod, about how, you know, like, how... How does that affect the players? And I think, Tadiva, you made that point as well. You know, how does that affect the players when nothing's going your way? You've gone down to a dodgy goal. You know, it, it affects your your psychology on the pitch. It affects your decision-making. You feel like you're out there on your own. You've got no support, no cover. The ref blowing everything, you know, against you in favour of the opposition. And I think, you know, I think the ref's performance did actually have a massive role in, in terms of how, uh, you know, how poor Liverpool were in, I mean, don't get me wrong, they were bad all by themselves, but I think mentally it does play a huge role. I'm going to bring G's on toast and he's probably sat there thinking, oh my God, they've forgotten about me. G's on toast. I'll let you have the final say on this and then we'll go to our next caller. 
<laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I um, yeah, I, I can see what everyone's saying. The, the only thing I have to say in response to everything that has been said already there is that, um, you know, you can see that Origi is trying to buy the foul a little bit, but you know, like he was kicked and Lindelof did not touch the ball. And therefore that must be a foul. And then later on in the game, Fabinho makes a challenge where, okay, he came in from behind, but he touched the ball whilst taking out his man, but he did get the ball and, and, and he was booked for that. So therefore, you know, Fabinho's challenge because he touched the ball was surely a, a better challenge than Lindelof's on, um, Origi. And yet Fabinho get booked and. Lindelof got nothing and the goal stood. And that's that's not fair, I think. Mm, for sure. Well, thank you, G's on toast. Yeah, cheers, thanks for having me. Thank you. Cheers, cheers yeah, Nick. Cheers. Yeah, I'll actually call you my real name as well. Cheers. Sorry, Nick. I don't thank know you, real names. <laughs> thank you, Gagan. Cheers <laughs> right, on toast, Nick. Right, I'll remember that, Nick. You call in, you know, often enough. I'll probably speak to you more than my own mother, but that's another story for another day. Let's move on to our next caller. It is Saki. Saki, welcome to the show. Yeah, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. What thoughts would you and points would you like to raise for the panel? Okay, well, um, I'll just brush on the one quickly because I was talking about that, but he's basically kicked him in the leg, right, in the half. It's a foul. When the ball hit Marnie's hand... And that was disallowed. All of a sudden, everyone understands that. With the Origi one, somehow it's a grey area. I don't understand that. I think um, the VAR lot had just not wanted to embarrass um, Atkinson today. And um, also... Hello? Yeah, we can hear you. Still good? Yeah. Also, um, I just feel like the technical quality in the first half was disgraceful. Like... I don't know if like they weren't warming up properly in the rondos or whatever, but it was just dreadful. Like people, I mean, Firmino, like he's Mario's favourite player, but like what he was doing there was just terrible. And one thing I'd say is that in the second half, when we brought on our more technical players who can dribble, take the ball under a bit of pressure, even though they're not my faves, like say Lalana, you know who. No fair play to him. Like when the moment came, he he stood up and was counted. And Ox, even though he was comp- wasn't completely sharp, uh, was able to you know carry the ball and just you know give us something extra. We improved a lot. And also, I want your thoughts on like the Henderson and Trent thing on the right hand side. Like, do you think that actually works? Because I think like both of them spamming crosses from the right hand side doesn't really work. Interesting points and a great, great question. It was something that frustrated me. And Kamal, couldn't you first on on Henderson and Trent on the right-hand side? I've said it many a times. I feel like he occupies a lot of spaces that Trent naturally wants to run into. And it kind of stops Trent being that creative output. I want to get your thoughts on this because it kind of frustrates me. And I've kind of, it's something that I'm noticing more and more. I want to get your thoughts. I mean, do, do you feel like it's a bit of a hindrance having both of them two on that side? Um, not not so much. Maybe a bit more so today in the second half. Um, mm. There was a definite change in the second half where we went four two three one, and so yeah. Hendo was pushed further up. Obviously, being in the free with the 
the two sitting a little bit deeper with Fabinho and Ginny. And Henderson did occupy the right-hand side even more. Um, and that probably had enough, an impact on why Trent was crossing from a deeper position. But mm. Trent wasn't looking for the overlap today at all. And I don't know why. And even Jürgen on the side was getting frustrated with him. Um, because he was crossing from... When you're crossing from such a deep position as he was, it's so easy to defend. You, you're not getting, the, you're not getting the, the whip on the ball. You're not getting the pace on the ball. You, 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 it's difficult to attack a deep ball. It's easier to defend a deep ball. So um, it, that, that it was definitely more noticeable in the second half. It wasn't so much noticeable in the first half because uh, Henderson was playing more uh, of the inside right in the midfield. And that did allow the Trent the space. And Trent did get caught out a few times going further forward. Uh, but again, that was due to the tactics of what United had done, where they pushed up uh, Ashley Young further forward. So they were almost playing a four-three, four-five. Uh, sorry, three-five-two, and and that gave Trent something else to think about as well. And he struggled a little bit with that today, as did Robbo on the other side. If you notice, neither fullbacks really did much in the game until we started dominating the possession. And as um, the caller has just said, sorry, I didn't catch his name. Um, Saki. Uh, Saki, sorry, Saki. Um, as Saki said, when the technical players came on and we started moving the ball that little bit better, and then the obvious consequence of that was when the ball did go out to Robbo, he had time, he had space, and he could put the ball in such a dangerous area. And the, the, the movement in the box to create for that goal pulled the defence inside out and left the space for Lalana with the easiest of tap-ins. So, technical players coming on made a huge difference. I mean, on the 70th minute when Lalana was coming on, I, n- I nearly picked up the TV and threw it out the window. I was like, why isn't Naby coming on? I, I, I couldn't believe he was bringing mm. Lalana on. I, I was, because he, he, he's offered nothing ever for, since, you know, I can't remember when. And, and you know, I, I'll eat humble pie. He's the greatest player in the world today. For me, well, because you, of the goal he scored. For sure. And here's a little nice little stat for you. Last season, what? Adam Lallana had the game of his season against Burnley. That kind of looked team, right? He does well against the little teams. <laughs> <laughs> teams, teams from Manchester, yeah? Or yeah, the yeah. yeah the, the red Manchester. So, you, you know, like, oh, well, well Emma, the Northwest, uh, he does well against Minos from the Northwest. Let's just put it like that. To do that, I'm going to come to you. I want to get your thoughts on the Henderson because I know you're going to go quite tactical into this. And Cam made a point there that maybe, you know, Trent's crossing was a little deep and he wasn't overlapping. I think it might have been because of the personnel. Henderson doesn't have Mosala's pace. He knows. I don't think, you know, Henderson is as, you know, forward thinking in an attacking sense as Mosala. And I, I felt like maybe that's why a lot of the times Trent Alexander-Arnold was kind of second-guessing himself in that role alongside Jordan Henderson because it's just somebody that he's not very comfortable with playing with on that right-hand side. I think also the fact that it's Mane there, not Salah. So, well, on, on, on paper as how the team was starting off. And yes. what Salah likes to do is he's obviously wanting to cut in on his left foot. So if you can sort of draw a picture for yourselves, you know, you have Salah cutting inside, you have Henderson moving wide to the position where Salah has just come from, and then you have Trent kind of 
split right down the middle of the of 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 them that's kind of how they that plan um you know right hand side usually is meant to work now if you have mane there or even um origi or Firmino there they're not going to cut in like what mane likes to i mean what salah likes to do cutting inside so all of a sudden trent doesn't have that that gap right down the middle to run through which is where he then gets free because defenders start getting lost of who are they taking on and how you know how do they take um each player that's coming in from all these different angles so if you now have henderson stretching out to that wide right side and you have either mane I, I thought I saw in most cases was already cut inside before Henderson even got there. Money was quite tucked in quite narrowly or even Firmino when he was that side. So the defenders sort of sitting there thinking, Oh, okay, then I'll just pick up Henderson and the midfielder can just pick up Mane, who's already cut in a bit too early. And Trent now, he looks a bit silly if he tries to make a rundown, you know, bombing forward because they can see him coming from a mile away. So I think that d- dynamic was a bit of an issue going on that side. But then also, obviously, from the whole tactical side of the whole team, if you don't have your front three, uh, you know, in terms of you, we know the creativity that they bring as as a trio, if you don't have that, then it's not going to um, open up the space for the likes of the fullbacks to get the freedom to go forward. If I'm marking Origi, opposed to marking Mane, I'm not going to pay, you know, I'm not going to pay as much attention to Origi uh, as, or pay as much respect, should I say, to Origi as I would to a Mane. So there's not going to be as much space for a Robertson bombing forward and vice versa for, you know, all the other positions and, and the different areas of the pitch. So I think if, if you know, or what I was hoping is, if you know that's going to be the situation, then maybe you try and change the point of attack from the wings, which are, I mean, the fullbacks, which are very creative for us. And then you bring that point of attack more central. And that's when you then either have, you know, an Oxley chamberlain or a Cater partnered with one of the water carriers, which seem to be Henderson and, and Jeannie Wijnaldum. Whereas now we are still playing with water carriers, but we're not going to have enough space for our fullbacks to run forward because they're, they're not going to, our front three isn't going to be creating the same type of patterns. So I thought that clash, you know, you, you kind of pick a struggle, dude. Like either, either you, you know, you have the front three and allow, you know, you, you know that the, the fullbacks are going to have that attacking freedom or you acknowledge the fact that we don't have the front three creativity. So let's actually bring the creativity into midfield, have someone driving from midfield. Like United's defense could sit, sit deep and they didn't have to push forward because they know Henderson and Genie aren't going to take a 20, uh, you know, 25 yard shot. They're not going to drive at us at our midfield, dribble past one player and look for a killer ball if we push up or if we don't push up, take a shot. But you could see, for example, when Trent came, came on, um, he, I mean, when Ox came on, he wasn't afraid to take a shot. That then now forces the defenders and the defensive midfielders to think, okay, we either have to push up and stop this guy shooting, you know, or he's going to score a goal. And once they do push up, that's when it creates the space for our front players to then run into it. So I think we, yeah, we, we didn't quite get the balance right for the team. For sure. Uh, Saki, I'll bring you back in, let you have the final say. Um, yeah, so, oh yeah, final point for me actually is that Naby Keita for the goal just delays and delays and sucks 
their defence narrow in to play in Robertson, to play that crossing. And I'd like to see a lot more of, of him and on the game generally, like we were poor for most of the game and still in a way could have won that, especially at the end where um, Ox scooped that ball into, who was it? Was it Lalana? And he just goes white and it just overhits it. If that ball had gone in, or I think it was Trent actually, if that ball had been accurate, I think we'd have scored from there and could have nicked that. So I think we have to take it as maybe, I don't know, a point gained because of the poor early performances. But at home, we need to batter them because I can't have them thinking that they're anywhere near us. You're so right, and they, we absolutely will, and they're nowhere near us. But Saki, thank you so much for calling. Really appreciated your question. Nice. Have a good evening, guys. You too. Take care. Can I just say what, um, make a point of what Saki made there? Yeah. Um, he's absolutely spot on what he said about Naby uh, sucking the uh, uh, United defence back in and leaving the space for Robbo because he, the way he did, he looked like he was going to pass to Robbo first, then he then he looked like he was going to pass it back inside. And then the United defence, uh, their right back, Wambasaka, I think it was, uh, or whoever the right midfielder was on that side, suddenly got drawn in. And then he then he laid it out, and and that little delay was just was just really really good. It was really clever play from Naby, really clever play. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we looked completely different when the attacking boys came on, and you know we we definitely looked more on the front foot. Right, joining us next is Sam Evans. Sam, welcome. Hi Nina, I didn't realise I'd actually agreed to come on yet. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> My last minute sub, you met Adam Lallana, get out there, you were expecting that. Yeah, you've just thrown me on, I like your style. It's a, it's a bit like what they should have done with Naby Keita after about an hour, throwing him on, but uh, unfortunately it didn't quite happen. No, um, it didn't. I, I, I missed some of the show, guys, right? So if I'm repeating a question, apologies, but my, my question was going to be, just ask ask the panel if you guys think the Klopp goes into these away matches uh, against Man United a bit too conservative or, mm. or whether you think um, it's, it's just one of those things that can happen with these games against Man U because uh, you know, we all know it is always going to be a tough game but my personal feeling is that maybe you should have gone for the jugular a bit more and uh, just wanted to get your feelings. Absolutely no, it's it's a great question and no, it has not been covered. So well done, Sam, for thinking up something original. Tadeva, I'm gonna come to you. Talk to me. I think a lot of the questions maybe when with that game was something that I noticed was, you know, as the game started progressing, I thought the attack looked less and less threatening. They looked less, less involved. You it was kind of crying out for some creativity. It needed an attacking midfielder. And it would have been nice had Klopp been a little bit brave. Maybe he thought, you know what, it's a way at Old Trafford. Maybe I play my safe card and play my usual midfield. That has served me so well. But I think the game was absolutely screaming for an attacking midfielder, certainly early on in, in the second half. I want to get your thoughts. I mean, do you agree? I think then Klopp then decided to go for it. You know, 1-0 down, he had nothing to lose. He kind of threw on three to some degree. I want to get your thoughts because, you know, this United team is pretty much dejected. It doesn't have much confidence. Um, I felt like they were kind of playing through our midfield and maybe an attacking midfielder would have been awesome. I think it's, uh, I think maybe the misconception is the fact that 
when Klopp came in, obviously the the biggest factor is you know the attacking style and the 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 the, the flair you know that that he's going to bring, and obviously Gagan pressing high up the pitch. But um, I think you know it it was never going to be exactly like Dortmund for him at Liverpool. Obviously, you know different pieces, different budgets, and all those kind of different factors that come into it. Um, if you look at him, the way he approaches these Old Trafford games, it seems to me that he's very comfortable with his with our, with our defensive system. So he, he, he backs it so much that there's no way, or not there's no way, but I'm pretty confident Man United aren't going to score, so all I'm going to need is one goal. And I've got enough on the pitch to get me that one goal um, and then more so when you're bringing, you know, you're adding Allison back into the system. The system doesn't, if I'm, you know, Gags can correct me if I'm wrong, but the system doesn't allow a lot of chances for the other team. And then if the other team isn't getting that many chances and you've got Allison in goal as well, you know, he's probably going to snuff out a lot of the, 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 the small chances or the little chances that they would have had in any case. So yeah, I think- and if you, the stats will say today's game, for example, to Dida, to, to, to Dira, um, 0.91 or whatever it is for their XG, 0.57 of that is the goal that should be disallowed. Yeah. Right. So you're talking a 0.4 something XG at home, at home for United. 0.4. That's relegation fodder bullshit teams that do that type of shit. That's and if you, at home, you know, and so if it's you, exactly if- what you're saying. Yeah, and if you take into account, and I suppose you can still you can you can jump in as well. Is if 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 you gags as a statistician, if I was to give you those statistics before the game, would you be have would you have been happy to go into the game trying to win it one 0 as a statistician? The thing is, the thing is, right? I'm I'm not a statistician, really. I'm, yeah. a, data, I'm a data collector, really. Right? That's yeah. what I do, but. When I, when I look at it as what you're saying and analysis wise, what we always talk about now in UP is that there's a lot more than stats mm-hmm. to this game. There is the intangibles that we never talk about or we can't, sorry, the intangibles that we can't, we can't measure. And Old Trafford seems to be the one intangible thing that we can't measure for Klopp. So if you had said to me, would one nil be enough? I would have told you no. Exactly. Going yeah. on historic games and everything that we played there, how many times we played, even in the club. And I know, you know, people will say, Cam made a point earlier, doesn't matter about or history or whatever, but it does matter because we never get anything there. We never get decisions there. We never get referee performances, nothing there. Everything would go against us on this day in every season. It usually does. It's once in 20 years that it'll go our way. Yeah, and, and again and, today goes that way. We could be as we were double better than them in in XG everything, but they managed to get a draw out of this game. And and the thing is uh, that the reason why I'm trying to pull that out of you is the fact that if you look at earlier in the season, there were a few games where Klopp did play the same midfield where we were asking for a more attacking midfielder, and somehow we you know we pulled the result from those games. Um, but when you then isolate Old Trafford and the fact that for them it's a cup final, this is their game. They know that their, their players are going to give an extra 20%. This performance that United have given, I bet you we're not going to see it for the next three weeks. The next three games that they play, they're not going to have the same energy that they give to this game. So you yeah. should be able to anticipate that that's going to happen. And with that extra energy that they're going to give, 
and with the fans knowing that we can derail Liverpool season, we know we don't have anything else big to play for this season, the ball almost gets sucked into the net somehow. That That's what's going to happen. So I would have hoped, and I keep giving this hope, you know, I would have hoped that Klopp would have gone in with the mentality of, I've got the better team, let's go, guns blazing, and go and outscore them. Mm-hmm. But I think Klopp's mentality for this game was, I know my system is defensively astute and I know it's defensively sound and I know that I've got attacking tools up front that should be able to see us through with the one goal, you know, the one no victory. And then now he's reacting after the, you know, in the second half after we've already gone down. Whereas I think the mentality should be at Old Trafford when you've got a better squad is let's take the game to them. I know that my, you know, if, if we had a proper, you know, gunslinger old Texan movie shootout with Man United, I'm pretty sure nine times out of 10, we would win this game. But it seems like we were being too tactical on that, on mm. that side. Interesting. Cam, I'm going to bring you in. Now, you know, you've heard what Tadeva said. You've heard what Gag said. You've heard what Sam said. Now, to me, we, Mo Salah was not part of this game, right? So you've already lost an, an attacking, you know, player. You've lost one. And I think, you know, maybe he could have been a little braver in that midfield thinking, well, hang on, I've lost, you know, one of my, one of my aces in attack. You know what? I need to compensate for that because everything was all balanced before that midfield works with that attacking trio because obviously, you know, what Mosala and Sadio Mane can do between on the flanks. You know what, what um, Roberto Firmino does from the central aspect of the pitch. But then you've got to play Divock Origi, who, you know, who does okay. He does the best that he can. But obviously he is, you know, levels down from, you know, the likes of Marcela and Sadio Mane in terms of, you know, his his input into the games. I know he scores in big games, but it would have been nice had Jurgen Klopp been a bit more brave and had an attacking midfielder. Oh, yeah, um fully agree with that. Um, I, I would have wanted to see the Nabior Ox start. And you could have uh, started one and then if need be, if, you know, because of match fitness, the legs had gone, then you could have brought, changed it, changed him for the other and still kept that attacking impetus going. Um, Divock seems to do well coming off the left as a substitute late in the game when the opposition is tiring. If you're going to play Divock from the start, he seems to start better as a striker through the middle. So totally maybe good. that is... That maybe that is Good something point. that uh, that could have been looked at by by Klopp and the team. Um, it, you're playing a Man United team who we knew were going to be up for the game. We, you know, it, it's all I've been saying in 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 the main part. It's all we've been talking about. This was their cup final. They were going to raise the game, and I think what Klopp was probably thinking, what I'll do is, we know they're going to raise the game. We know they're going to have high energy but they can't sustain that high energy. So I'll go with my tried and trusted midfield and we'll, we'll wear them down. It'll be a game of attrition. And once we've worn them down, then we'll bring the attacking uh, midfielders on. And I think that was always the plan. And, and you, you sort of get that from the substitutes, the way the substitutions were done. Yes, obviously the scoreline had an impact on those substitutions as well because we don't normally see Klopp making free attacking substitutes like that. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen it in any game where Klopp's made free attacking substitutes. And even with the third substitution, um, it, he still gave him a bit of time to make that substitution. 
So, um, uh, when he brought Naby on, he still gave Naby minutes. It wasn't like it was done exactly straight away uh, towards the end, like he normally does with uh, the final substitution. So, um, um, yeah, I think they missed a trick today. I really do. Um, and I think, again, that was reflected in our first-half performance. Um, if we'd had that, that attacking impetus in the midfield, it would have been a complete completely different mindset. We had no runners. No, the, which one of the midfielders got in the box? Ginny almost tried a couple of times in the first half. Fabinho then, tried in the second half. I thought he was probably our, one of our most creative midfielders before, obviously, the likes of Ox and Alana and Keita came on. Yeah. But then that's because uh, United was suddenly sitting off. Uh, Ginny, I, I, I don't know what he did. I didn't see him in the second half, I'll be honest with you. First half, um, he did some brilliant little things. Yes. Uh, ball retention-wise, he, he was superb. Uh, he had a uh, he, he had that one shot, and I thought, oh, here we go. Maybe we've got the Holland Ginny here. Um, but then he, again, he just died off. Um, we don't get runners into the box. If your midfield, if your strikers are, are struggling, you need your midfield runners. And with that midfield, you're never getting runners. No, it's, it's very true. And especially the way Man United was set up game they were tight they were defensive there was no space in that box the likes of Roberto Firmino were absolutely dreadful today they were not allowed to operate you know and I think an attacking midfielder really could have been beneficial for that attack in this game and you saw things opening up in this game in my opinion when those attackers came on we got Fergie time five minutes of added time and there were groans from United fans because they were holding on for their life every loose ball ended up at a Liverpool player there was just so much more energy more more alertness about Liverpool in the last 15 minutes 10-15 minutes in my opinion I have to agree with you and had we started off on that front foot I think the complexion of this game would have been completely different I think Sam has left us he's got oven chips on I don't blame him I would yard my show for oven chips I ain't gonna lie he's gone um, oh he's still here oh he's still here alright come on Sam come back to us still going in I wouldn't eat chips without you man you know what? I, I appreciate that. This is why we get on, right? You know, you've heard what you've heard what everyone said. Some really insightful, interesting stuff there. So I let you have the final say, and I let you get back to your golden sticks. <laughs> Thanks, Nina. Um, no, I, I think it's just a bit of a funny thing how, like last season, people are arguing that maybe it cost us the league that we were so conservative against Man United and, and Everton away last season. It's really hard to argue that because we had 97 points. So the guy's done fantastically well. And in the context of the league, he's done brilliantly. I just think it's, it's one of those games where it's always filthy. It's going to be a horrible game. You know, we used to do it to Man United when we were on the other side of this and we were the struggling team. We would really up our game whenever it came to the Man United game, and we'd make it really difficult for them. It was so, our cup final. Let's not let's not dress it up. You know, yeah. we wanted to hurt them. We have been in their position a lot of times in our lives, so uh, you know we know what it's like. But um, yeah, so yeah, I really enjoyed those uh, answers, guys. Really good points. Um, I, I was just wondering if you've discussed starting Henderson as well. I think that was quite an interesting. Um, point you guys were giving just now about how maybe he wanted to, to keep the attacking guys on the bench for the impact off the bench for the last 20 so I don't know 
um, if you guys have actually touched on the fact that he started Henderson after having played for England as well. I thought he, he did look really tired today and he is a guy that's a, a, you know slightly out of form at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, we have kind of discussed the Henderson performance, but Sam, thank you so much. Cheers, guys. All the best. Take care. Well, that was Sam Evans. I think we might have another caller. It is the guy that keeps jumping in on this pod. So you know what? I'm going to give him a little section. He's 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 not been on pods for ages. So you know what? I want to hear what he has to say. I just want to hear his thoughts on the game. Gags, come back. I didn't go anywhere really, but um, on uh, on on Sam's uh, Hendo stuff, Naby came on, had three passes into the box. I think Hendo had one all game. So I think you can see, I think Hendo's suffering. I think this is the worst form of Hendo in a long, long time at LFC. Like even at number six, he was still okay, but this has been really awful. I don't understand who's the, who's made this right, right role, right wing, right midfield roll up, but what, whoever has, it's, it's, it's debilitating to us. It's not good. It's not good for the team. It's not good for Trent. It's not good for anybody. And it means Trent's having to cross from deeper as well because there's nowhere to go. There's literally nowhere to go. And that's why there's all those shitty crosses coming in from deep. <sighs> it was awful. But yeah, I don't think Hendo should be starting, unfortunately, going forward. The quicker Ox and um, Nabi get fit and start getting used and rotated once a week. They can just play once a week. They don't have to play seven games in a row. They could play once a week each, get rotated in that spot. And you could see what both of them bring. Ox, yes, very, very, you know, raw still. But he was still trying. And he was having a couple of shots here and there that were fizzing past the post. He'll get there. He'll get mm. there. It's still a lot more than anyone else is doing. In the, in we the we just look infinitely better when they came on. When yeah, Ox came on, we just look better. Yeah, well, and then Kater came on and it just, the game changed. The game mm. changed and then Lallana was there. But, you know, that's fine. He scored. It's yeah. You want your best player. You want your players. Sorry, not your best. You want your players to be in the right position, the right time to make a difference. And today, Adam Lallana made the difference. So we have to give him a bit of an applause for that because usually he's a nosebleed around those areas, but today he didn't. So and you know what? We would be having big, big egg on our face if fucking Lallana didn't score that goal, or you know we didn't get that point at least. We're still undefeated. We're still top of the league. Manx could go fuck themselves thanks to Adam Lalana. So you know what? A big thank you to Adam Lalana today because we've given him a lot of stick. Thankfully, he was there at the right place, right time. He played a little bit better after that goal. Before it was, he was awful. Fucking <laughs> awful. He played a little bit better after that goal. He was a little bit better. To, fair play to him. And hopefully, that does something for him and it changes, you know, it changes the game. Klopp will be justified in the end. Cater was the one, though, I thought, run the show when he came on, just like Saki was saying as well. One person we haven't talked in is Ginny. I've got another one after this because I want to really go off on that ref, the fucking wanker. But um, the referee's a wanker. Ginny, Ginny, I don't know if you spoke about Ginny, but I thought Ginny in the first half, that's as good as I've seen mm-hmm. Ginny. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Liverpool in a long time, attacking wise, wow, he was everywhere and he was he was running at players and shimmying away from him, playing the ball in the right places. I was really impressed with Ginny. I thought Ginny came out of the first half with his head up more than anybody else. Yeah, I I have to agree with you, Tadeev. I'm going to come to you. I want to get your thoughts on Ginny Wijnaldum because I have to agree with Cam. For me, he disappeared in the second half. I didn't realize. I couldn't figure out what he was trying to do but in the first half he was very present he was all over that midfield even had that shot I think it was the first shot on target for us as well 
So I, I want to get your thoughts on Gini Wijnaldum because it's clearly evident that he, he plays a very, very different role or he, he's allowed to do different things for Holland. Netherlands Gini is one of my favourite players to watch, actually. Um, he, he plays such, as you said, he plays such it's a... It's like a Joker movie, isn't it? Does that even exist? Is that even a thing for Liverpool Football Club? I have no clue. Um, it, it's a definitely a completely different role uh, that he's being asked to fulfil for us. Um, so you kind of hope after international break, maybe he let, like he his mind slips a bit to you know forgetting which which team he's meant to be playing for, and 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 he brings that attacking flair in into the game. That's what I was hoping for. Just um, give him an orange shirt. Exactly, and and I think we saw that in the first half, and then maybe by halftime, Klopp was like, "What are you doing? This is Liverpool, not Netherlands." And maybe that's why he died down in the second half. Um, but yeah, it, it, it seems like he, he became more tactical in the second half, which is renowned with what he's, he's done for us, um, over the seasons, opposed to the freedom he's allowed for Netherlands. Uh, I thought he did play well in the first half. I thought he was our brightest spark, can I say? Especially in midfield. Um, he was very comfortable getting the ball at his feet. He was demanding the ball and he was very, I thought he, he knew he, he had the beating of both their midfielders. Even when they were pressing, you know, that first 15 minutes, they were coming more with energy than necessarily tactics. They were just running around and pressing us. And he was very comfortable um, getting the ball, turning their guys, staying really, really strong. He, he's really strong with that uh, quick turn, low center of gravity type Aguero-type turns. Uh, he had quite a few of those in the first half. So, yeah, I, I thought first half he played well. Second half, maybe they grew in confidence. He was being asked to play a, a, a different role. And I think he, he then became maybe the genie that we're more familiar with. Cam, mm. your thoughts on genie? I know you were full of praise for him in the first half, like most of us were. Yeah, first half, he was, he was our uh, brightest player. Um, he, he was always wanting the ball. Um, superb under pressure. Um, because obviously they were coming at us with high energy and he his his ball retention is just wonderful. Um mm. and he always seems to come away with it. Um he was the only one who was he was our most um progressive player in the first half for sure. Um the only one he, he player who looked like he was going to do something with the ball. Um which you don't see very often, especially away from home with Ginny. Um mm. he's he, he he's more about Closing down the passing lanes and stopping the opposition, um, but today we 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 definitely like I touched on earlier. You know, we thought it was the uh, Netherlands Ginny that had turned up um, again. But second half, um, he wasn't needed because of the way United was set up. Gags, Gags probably got it spot on there, uh, or to, to whoever just said that. Um, he, he, the way the game went, it needed a more forward-thinking player, and. Don't know why, but it wasn't Ginny, and um, and the and a lot of the play seemed to be our play seemed to be a lot more focused down the right hand side for some reason in uh, at the beginning of the second half as well. Yeah, it was uh, it, an awful lot was going that way, and it's only when Nabi came on and Nabi was in the Ginny position and Nabi was suddenly putting strings on the left. This, he was able to use that space better. That was uh, then vacated on the left because obviously we we were trying to move the ball side to side a lot more in the second half, but not quick enough. I felt, but when we did, mm. 
And then, obviously, Ox seemed to be more that side as well with Naby. And then Robbo was there. Then suddenly there was a there was a connection, and that was helping us. So that that that's that's how I I, I saw it anyway. So, but Ginny, yeah, he's a he's an enigma for us, that's for sure. But he, he's a wonderful player at the same time. For sure, Gags, back to you. Last little rant on the ref. Oh God, like. I think Sam just put something in the in the group about, you know, like a FIFA type um, card thing for the referee. And it's like, let me just read it out because it's fucking hilarious. And I've traded it on Twitter. Um, 99 bottle, 92 shit, 79 blind, 90 bias, 1 for VAR. And I don't know what 1 is for, phys- phys- I don't know, physicality. I don't know what that means. PHY, but it's rubbish. Absolutely. It totally is what you talk about um, for him this referee how he continually gets Liverpool Man United games I don't know but at Old Trafford as soon as I saw that he was refereeing it I was dreading today I was dreading and neither you know I was dreading today I knew a shitstorm was coming because it felt like a shitstorm was coming in that first half I don't think I've seen a worse performance from a referee I honestly haven't I mean, he got he got the money the money decision VAR that was absolutely spot on. But I believe in the law. Yeah, yeah, they got that. Yeah, yeah, and I I believe in the law of averages, and that's spot on. But then you know, no, sorry, that was spot on. But I believe in the law of averages, and if he fucked up once, and you know what, you should say, you know what, I fucked up there. I'm going to give that one. Well, he doesn't have a choice because that's VAR. (laughs) So VAR decided that you know that the the referee assistant saw that and said, obvious, clear, and obvious error because the referee from his angle couldn't see the handball. Which is fair enough. I have no problems with the, with our goal being given. Let me just say, objectively, I just feel they got the other one wrong. That's mm-hmm. VAR. That's on VAR. That's not on Atkinson. He got the first decision wrong. But a referee can miss it in the heat of the moment. It, you know, it looked like a dive to him. But when you've got video referees, when you've got the fucking technology, that should be overturned. So that's a VAR separate issue. That's not a refereeing decision. The referee made so many blatant, ignorant calls where he just left, you know, fouls that we were getting fouled. Just he let them go totally. But then on the, within a second, we make exactly the same decision and it's given. Two minutes later, well, actually a minute later, he's taken uh-huh. down very same, same way, exactly the same way. Not given. It's like, what? But there were loads. There were loads going on in that first half where you were like, huh? Mane, Divi. There was just so many going on. You're just thinking, what the fuck is going on here? What is he doing? He just had the most awful game. It was the most awful game. Honestly, think, I was watching the game thinking, I don't mind if we're shit. I don't mind. But the referee is making it all about himself. I do not mind. As long as call it down the middle, mate. Call it straight down the middle. I don't mind if United beat, beat us when we're shit, but I hate it when things like that go against us, when it's not even our fault. Like, for example, in the record books, they created 0.91 XG against us. Fuck you. No, they did not. They will never have... Apparently, it was a 72% chance of scoring from Rashford, so it's 0.19 XG they created against us. Legitimately. That's Man United at home. Fuck you. They're rubbish. That referee is shit. The VAR system is shit. Fuck off, Mark, Martin Atkinson. Atkinson. Discuss. 
Do you think, I mean, I'm dead weird. Do you think these officials that sit there and are sat, sat watching VAR and they help the referee, I kind of believe that they're just trying to sabotage the whole technology of it. I don't know. It's just how I feel. Why are they not using it properly? Well, the, the mentality, I think, Nin, is the fact that the if you look at how Sky and the media interpret VAR, it's, oh, this ref got that decision wrong. Not, oh, VAR was able to correct a decision that would have been incorrect. So the, the fact that refs feel that heat, that, that heat, that I'm going to be lambasted if I get this decision wrong, that's the issue with, with VAR in England at the moment. And I keep bringing it back to rugby because it's there, we see it, and it's tried and tested. With rugby, whenever VAR, you know, corrects a ref's choice, they just carry on with the game. The commentators don't sit there talking about it for 50 minutes, you know, for the rest yeah. of the game, about how the ref got the decision wrong. It's that, oh, yeah, thank, thank you, VAR, for correcting something that was wrong. It's now a try. And then they carry on talking about the game. But with uh, the Premier League, if, if, let's say, VAR changes a decision, they then go on speaking about, oh, the fans, they were celebrating. Now they feel like they've been robbed. And, and then it's like, no, the correct decision was made. Move on. So I think because the, until the narrative changes, I don't think it, 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 it's ever going to improve in terms of people's perception of VAR because there's clear... Well, no, until the right decisions are made to do, it's not going to go away. Like you said, they got it right in rugby. Until the correct decision isn't made... The game is becoming more about VAR and VAR and VAR. VAR should be a silent um, adjudication going on in the background and it should just say goal or not goal and move on. I think the point Tadeev is trying to make is the refs are put under the microscope. It's the media setting the agenda against the referees or for the referees or for VAR or against VAR. Can I just say something on that, Nina? Mm-hmm. Um what I will say is it's not. I don't quite agree with that. The the, um, the Premier League, the referees, they've made a rod for their own back here with the decision that if it's not a clear and obvious error, they're not going to overturn it. That's that's where the issue is with VAR right now. Once they get away from the mindset, we we should not be overturning a referee mistake. The VAR will continue to have these issues. The referees made a mistake today. I'll hold my hands up. You know, you, you guys have pointed out that he, he was fouled from, you know, twice. Fine. Okay. If he was fouled twice. The referee hasn't seen it. That is then for the fourth official, whoever's or whoever is running the VAR, to say, no, that was a foul. No, not. They should not be saying, well, because you haven't made an obvious mistake, we can't overturn it. Look what it's led and led to. It's led to a goal. That's why you have a VAR review. If he hadn't scored a goal, there wouldn't have been a VAR review. True. So, so it's not that VAR is the issue. Let's, let's be clear on this. The VAR is just a visual, visual aid. It's the implementation of what they're actually doing with VAR. If we go back to the 2016 World Cup in Russia, how many VAR decisions did we say were, oh my God, that was a terrible decision? How well was VAR run in the Russian World Cup? It yeah, was, it was run... It was run really, really well. There were, I think, the, I think out of all the decisions, I think there was only one decision that created a little bit of a storm. But we're not talking about VAR after the World Cup in Russia, are we? Why? Because it was run better. 
And that's Sam's where just, we're at. Mm, Sam's just come up um, uh, in the comments saying the problem is that the phrase clear and obvious error is subjective. And But it's if it's subjective, if you can see it's an error, and you've got to overturn it then. If it's if it's a foul, if if a foul is a foul, you have to call a foul. You can't say, well, maybe it was a foul or maybe it wasn't a foul. That's what the referee's job is there for—to give a foul or not a foul. He can't say, "Oh, I'm not sure." But I think um, we back. I suppose maybe to the, the the fact that it's not mic'd. We don't know if they're asking the ref, "Did you see it or did you not? Did did you see that as a foul or did you not?" Malcati said this on Euro Incision that you were for offering transcripts or you know it was a conversation that he had with the officials that you were for. I think it needs to be apparent. We need to know what the conversation that they've had. I think it's yeah. important because that would then that, is, phrase that, is, that, that would make a lot of difference. Yeah, that would phrase that way. And then even for example, you know, with rugby, the ref either asks, he says, I, "I've given a try on the, the the on-field call is a try." So for example, the Man United game, the on-field call is a goal for Man United. Can you give me any other reason why it's not a goal? Then VAR can step in in that sense. Or the ref can phrase it and say, can you check whether or not it's a goal? Those are two completely different questions because now you're phrasing it from the positive or you know the negative, whether you're trying to prove a positive or a negative. And we have no, absolutely no you know, scope of knowing what questions are being asked. So there's no way we're, we're able to accurately judge what's going on. I mean, I want to get your thoughts on this. I know very little about VAR uh, in, in terms of um, the rules and things because, you know, some, you know, I just feel like the rules are constantly changing. I mean, is there a scenario where, let, let's take Divock Origi's incident, um, incident for ex- as an example. The official said he was fouled, but the ref chooses that it falls on deaf ears and does nothing about it. Is that a thing? Could that happen? Or do they have to follow the line of what the officials on VAR have said? No, because the referee, they aren't telling the referees to go and look at their decision again. That's one problem, right? Had they done that, he can actually have the balls to say, I got it wrong. But because they're making the decisions for him and telling him, nah, don't worry about it, it's all right. He's going to then give it. So he's got, once it goes to VAR, the referee's out of it. He's made the first mistake. It's gone to VAR to rectify the mistake. They're not rectifying it. So it's not VAR. Let's, like Cam keeps saying, we keep saying VAR, VAR, VAR. It's the people that are working within it. Officials. It's, it's the officials yeah. that are the old boys club. Fuck VAR for a second. The technology's, okay, the technology's not fine either. The frame rate of the televisions and all that isn't up to the standard of the fucking game and, and what the cameras are recording. It's bullshit. It is so stupidly done. Listen to it under pressure a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, when they talk about it. It's just so stupid. It is so stupid. But anyway, that withstanding, because there could be like a 20, 30 centimeter discrepancy by, by those lines that they draw, which is crazy in this day and age in technology. But let's go with what you're asking. No, if it goes to the, if it goes to VAR, the guys in the control center get a decision. They have an, a referee and an assistant in there to say, what was, what was the result? Was he right or was he wrong? What the problem is, Nin, they are too scared to say he was wrong. That's mm. the problem. Because of the point that Diva said. Because, yeah, he's going to be a referee for the next one, and the other guy's going to be in the control and say, you fucked me over, bro. Now I'm going to fuck you over. 
And that's how that's what the worry is, or maybe they just don't want to make each other look stupid. Whatever the handshake is, yeah, referee union is a big thing. It's a big thing. The referees union. It's like the goalkeepers union. They need to. They need to change whatever the mindset is behind it because it's ruining the game. This should be, like I said, just a just a quick check, bang bang, done. No, no politics involved. It's too much politics. The 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 idea of our ultimately was about getting the decision right. And if that's not happening, then do away with VAR. Because it's obviously having a detrimental effect on the game. It's great when it goes for you. It's horrible when it goes against you. And, we, and we've said this from the beginning of the season. When we've had decisions go for us, it's going to come back and bite us in the ass. Today, it's bitters in the ass. Now, one of the other reasons they don't have the referee go to look on the sideline is because then the managers will go and look at it as well. And one manager will be saying one thing, one manager will be saying another thing, and it's to try and take away from that uproar. That's one of the reasons they don't allow the referee to Bro, but to they, go can, they can make the managers walk away. That's the referee's decision. He can yellow card them. Yeah, he, does, he, does, he does it with players, doesn't he? He always says, walk, move out my way, out my way. I mean, he does have the authority to just say, back off. Yeah, and they've but included the, yellows and reds for managers now, for that reason as well. Have, yeah, yeah. But that's one of the reasons I think they don't allow the referee to go. It's all down to the control centre. But it, it goes. I, I still think it goes back to what, you know, what I was saying. Clear and obvious error. Well, it's not a clear and obvious error. And that's why they're not overturning it. And that's the issue for me. Fair enough. Okay. Any final points on this before we close this pod off? I just want to talk about one last thing, and that's the commentary. <clears throat> Sorry. That was a spicy kebab the wife just made. <clears throat> but um, <laughs> I don't have any water. Um, I actually think that the commentary of this game, if you want to talk about statistics, tactics, or whatever, go and subscribe to AI Pro and go listen to Dave, who's probably roasting the team, deservedly, by the way. Probably roasting Klopp, deservedly, by the way. Go and listen to that. We're going to talk about the narrative bullshit going on. And that co- the commentary today... Baji, you were lucky you're in the stadium because it was a fucking disgusting performance once again from Tyler, um, Neville, and even Kara. Like, just have some balls, and if they're being biased, be biased back, bitch. Like, what is going on? Like, I, I just was like, ugh. It, the the way they celebrated, pretty much Neville and, and Martin Tyler celebrated the goal being given for United, and the way the glee was in their voice when Mane's wasn't, it was as a as a fan uh, of, of Liverpool just watching that was disgusting. It was like, why am I paying you? Why am I paying for this shit? Why I need the commentary? I like it. Why don't I? Why don't I get NBC or something? Because it, but then it's on delay for thirty seconds. Why this is. It was honestly unprofessional. I didn't expect anything else, obviously, but it's just another one of those things where they just should, they need a revamp. They need Tyler out of there, really. Neville can be fine, but, you know, without him, maybe be better. But everything, there was, I've just started watching the game again. I've started collecting presents. That's a money a couple of minutes in. But just at the start, when Robbo played it against Divock and it went out, it was just an accident. Oh, look, they're already showing signs of weakness. I was like, what? <laughs> are you on about that's not nothing they were making a big deal out of every single thing we did it was infuriating honestly i can't stand it It, i just cannot stand i'm sorry if i'm coming across bitter here but 
this was honestly one of the refereeing performance. If you want to show how bad English referees are, this is the video you show them. If you want to show how bad commentary teams are, this is the video you show them. Yeah, for sure. I think Martin Tyler also said something along the lines of, well, United won the mind game straight away, getting David De Gea fit and um, Mo Salah didn't make the fitness or something. I, I saw a lot of people get really annoyed at that, you know. I don't know. I, I don't like Martin Tyler. I don't think many people do. I mean, if you don't, if you don't watch Sky Sports and, you know, you, a lot of our subscribers are overseas. You're very lucky. It, it can be absolutely awful. I felt like Thingy was absolutely smothered. But I thought, you know, the studio stuff was pretty decent. I thought, you know, I, I kind of liked um, Jose Mourinho before the game. He they asked him they went they asked him how can United win this and he went, well, they certainly don't have the best players. They can't win on tactics. They're going to have to play with heart. And I just pissed myself laughing because I thought he's absolutely spot on. You know, um, Cam, have you got anything to say on the commentary? Um, I pretty much switched commentary off after about half an hour and stopped listening to him. I was just so wound up by the game. I, I just stopped listening. Uh, I was just getting more and more angry as the first half was going on. Um, I, 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 I literally was just blanking the commentary. Uh, I, I really don't know what was being said at all. And then I listened to a little bit what they said at half time. And like you say, Jose Mourinho suddenly is a different person. Now he's not managing any team. He, he's he suddenly he's lost that uh, uh, siege mentality mode that he's he was always in as as a manager, which was you know what what you you, you probably expect a manager to do. Um, his uh, his analysis now of games is uh, you can see why he was a top manager. Some of the stuff he comes out with is is fantastic. Sunis is very good as well, and. I, th- I find both of them quite impartial. They 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 say they they say it as they see it. They don't try and uh, make one out to be better than the other, which is which is what you want from a commentary. You w- you want impartiality. You want you want people to, to be saying, yeah, you know, you can understand it with Neville, and you know, getting really really excited about Man United team playing the best team in Europe and, and being a goal up, you can understand that. You know, he's, he's um, Man United through and through. Tyler, mm. we all know deep down as a United fan, whether, you know, you can say he sports some Tim Pot team in the, the Vauxhall Conference or whichever league, you know, um, but we know deep down he's a United fan as well. So what, what do we really expect? What I'm sh- more shocked about is how Carragher, who you want that little bit, to battle back against them has suddenly become, it seems that he's become quite meek and mild. And it's like, he just feels like I can't say anything anymore. I don't know if he's still affected by spitting the, incident, the, the spitting incident. And that's, uh, that's tempered him in mm. that respect. And he, he's afraid of being almost controversial again. Yeah. It, it's taken an edge off him. Uh, mm. And what what made the the Carrigan Neville thing so great was the was the spiciness of it all. Yeah, and and it was a nice rivalry, and it was done in a really good way, and that's not there anymore, and and mm. that's a shame. That's a no, shame. Oh, it is, it is. It's just not on commentary. That's that is there in the studio. It is there in the studio. So that's still there. It is literally just on commentary. It's like you said. It's very meek. 
I, I, I heard Tyler say something when they panned the camera to the away fans, the travelling cop, and he, I'm sure Tyler said, them are all your relatives or something. He said something along them lines. The Carragher clan or something. He did. He did. He, no, he said that they're, a bit, they're, 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 they're most of your relatives in there, aren't And then I think to, um, to, to cover that up, because I don't know what he meant by it, and we mm-hmm. can take negative connotations, he then said, oh, it's the Carragher clan. And so yeah. he tried to change it that, you know, he's got a big family rather than what he actually could have meant, which would have yeah. been quite disgusting yeah. if he did actually mean it that way and um, can get people sacked. But no, he covered himself up nicely. Yeah, he did. Come, I, I heard that. And I'll be honest, it kind of made me sit up and made me a little uneasy when he said that. But then he did come back with the Carragher clan stuff. To do that, I'll let you have the final say on on, on the commentary. Have you got any anything that you want to say before we, we close this pod off? Um, I'll keep it short and sweet. I switch commentary after five minutes because I'd rather be 30 seconds delayed than be pissed off the whole game about commentators. So I'm, I, 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 <laughs> I mean, I'm just, to be fair, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you here. Do you think, I mean, we know, we know the bias. Maybe the commentary, maybe they try to really oversell it and over egg it is because Man United before the international break, where they sat in the position right now, lost to Newcastle and Liverpool are on top of the league. Maybe they're trying to, portray i know the bias but maybe they were trying to create this david versus goliath kind of story set up like oh my god the underdogs are coming through here the ironic thing though is when liverpool were the underdogs it wasn't like that <laughs> so, that's I, a I fair point now but i think the the issue with the character situation is the fact that if we probably look if, if we take a step back the, the thing is character's probably trying to be neutral in the situation, but because he's there with two, um, you know, well, one definite Man United fan, one alleged Man United fan, but yeah, um, then he's going to come off more like he's not backing Liverpool. Whereas if if he was there with another neutral commentator, he would have been fine for the game. But the issue then becomes, because we're already getting two people being on Man United's side in terms of commentary, you're hoping that at least someone goes to the Liverpool side to balance it out. But because he's neutral, it still gives the edge to the United fans. So I think that's the difficulty they're having there. But yeah, other than that, my commentary was great. They were neutral. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Okay, I think we're pretty much done on the pod there. Um, Guys, any final thoughts on the game? Anyone who deserves a man of the match? I mean, it'll be quite interesting because I know there was a lot of praise for Ginny in the first half, but is there anyone who you thought as a whole had a really good game? Tadiva, I'll come to you. Lalana. <laughs> and you know what, guy Drinkle can type that. You know what? Hilarious. Yeah, I'm not even going to justify it because um, I think he was the best Liverpool player on the pitch in terms of he was in the right place at the right moment when we needed someone to be in the right place at the right moment. And for all the stick that he gets and for, you know, whatever opinion that you may have of him, the fact that he's in a Liverpool shirt and he gets a goal that, you know, in a game where we didn't look like we were scoring, he gets to have his day on this specific day. Um, he's man of the match for me. Whether or not it means it's changed my opinion on him, it, it may not have. But for this specific game, he's my man of the match. Fair dues. Okay. And what about you, Cam? Jordan Henderson. No. Um, I'd, uh, it's hard to disagree with Lana, actually, just because of the goal. Um, we just... It was the get-out-of-jail card, that goal. And mm. um, uh, Because 
nobody really stood out. You may say Fabinho had a good game. You may say Naby Keita came on and was really impressive. He got a lot of the ball, did a lot more than uh, you know our other midfielders ultimately. Um, but not enough time to say man of the match. But I think just because of the goal, uh, I'll, I'll probably have to give it to Lallana as well. Fair enough. I mean, for me, on a side note, something that stuck with me in the game was, and I'm going to look back and I'm going to smile at it, is um, I remember in the first half and um, someone played the ball to Alisson's feet and I heard the United crowd cheer to one of their forwards, like, go on, he's got the ball, like, you know, like, take it off him almost, like, here's a chance. And I'm like, sat there thinking, laughing, like, that's Alisson. He's probably better with his feet than all your team combined. You know, like, but as you were, but that, that made me chuckle. It did make me laugh. I'm not going to lie. You know, just hearing them cheer, like, as though he's going to be unnerved. Can I just say, um, Adam Lalana, whilst he scored the goal, it's a tapping. Yeah, he got right place, right time. I praised him. I praised him enough in this. So don't need to praise him now. But to be honest, it's like what, it's like what Saki said when he was on the, and he's not listening now and he's not speaking now, he's muted and, and, and like put us on, can't, don't want to listen to you. Maybe we're as bad as the commentary. Um, but, but what he said about Naby struck a chord because Naby was on that pitch for seven minutes and he created 0.63 XG chain for the goal, you know? And basically there were players on that pitch. Firmino did 0.9 in the whole game. Divock 0.01. Alex Oxlade-Champion, 0.06. The only reason why Lalana got 0.3 is because he scored that goal, not what he created. Um, Robertson, 0.67, again, the goal. But everybody else in there, Mane, 0.26. This is what was there in that team, you know? So for him to I know, this is going to sound really random, but I actually thought... Yeah, he was fine, but you know what? Just because... Just because we've praised the other, I want to praise the other one. I'm giving to Fair Baby enough. Keith. Okay, you I give did, it to I Baby did, Keith. I did mention Nabi. I just you said did. I, 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 did, I, I, I would have liked think... to have seen more time. That's oh, why I wanted mate, him on you should have come on instead of Lalana and you never know. Exactly. exactly. That, that was my point. That's why I yeah. nearly threw the TV out the window. He held it. Like Saki said, it's a great observation. Like he held the ball, he pulled the team out, and then that gives Robbo the chance to play that ball in. You know, into that. It wasn't even the best ball, but... If if Firmino scores from it, it's a great ball. But because it's meant for Firmino, but then it misses everybody, it's a tapping at the far post. Whichever way you go, it doesn't matter. It's it's at the end of the day, from my point of view. He made the run. If he hadn't made yeah. that run, if he, how many times in the first half when um, you know, you go back to United, nobody made the run for them when they were putting the crosses in. They were just too static. They were on the on the heels. At least Lallana made the run, and then he took a chance. And nothing, you can't take that away from the guy. You just can't take it away. You can't. And Nin, uh, Nick, G's on Tours, as you would know him, has just put something into the um, Discord server where shows Jamie Carragher when he's not commentating and on video and how he celebrates the goal. It's actually hilarious. So you can see he's still, he's just trying his best to be professional on air is what's going on there because he was very, very happy with that goal. Just stayed quiet. Just stayed quiet and celebrated it there. That's not so. like him. Remember Mosul last goal and he called him a little dancer. But yeah, okay, very reserved, very conservative. Yeah, I know, but that was at uh, yeah. the field as well. 
He probably didn't want to get pelleted by someone at Old Trafford. On a for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, guys. So we, we've got a mixed bag there. Um, you know, shouts for Adam Lallana. You can give it to him. Right place, right time. You can say baby Keith because he created so much. He had more involvement in the seven minutes that he was on and completely changed the complexion of the game. So, guys, let me know your man of the match. I personally, I thought I would go on the traditional route of giving it to a player that played the entire game and I thought Fabinho had a really good game when we I felt like he was trying to get into the box he was trying to create even after his yellow card he did not lose his game he stayed consistent with how he was playing I, I think that, that that shows nerves and balls of steel especially with that referee as well in question so those are my reasons why I would maybe give it to him but um, Guy Drinker goes Rojo for letting Lallana score, actually. But that's another shout as well. Guys, let us know who's your man of the match. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We have come to the end of the Nina Casa show. A huge thank you to our callers, all of them being massive contributors. Thank you to everyone that listened. A massive thank you to Gags, to Diva, and Cam. But before I let them go, any plugs to Diva? I'll come to you first. Um, I think I'm going to be recording Rate Don't Hate tomorrow. So the subscribers, please do get your ratings for all the players in. I think it's going to be a really, really uh, interesting podcast tomorrow. Interesting. Oh, we have a late entry for Man of the Match. Steve Pizza, happy fifth birthday, Nina. Great pod. You have our Man of the Match in that honour. I'll take it. I'll take it all day long. It's not every day I get that. I'm just kidding. Uh, Cam, what about yourself? Um, yeah, uh, still doing the main pod every week. Um, touched on a very sensitive uh, issue that was very much in the news of uh, the last week of um, racism. So um, something I've wanted to talk I about. Thought you were going to say Brexit, then, mate? Okay. No, no. Oh, I'd love to talk about that as well. Uh, can we do? Can we do a Brexit pod? I'd love that. Um, but no, we I touched. We we did a quite a uh, lengthy discussion on racism and uh, some mm. my. My experience is a uh, uh, first first ever football match where I was racially abused. So um, yeah, go and have a listen to the pod and let me know your thoughts. And you know, let let's get that conversation going and let's try and have have an impact on the wider society with that. Could not agree more. Great shout and definitely do listen to that pod. Gags, where can people reach us on Discord? How can they join Anfield Index Pro? You know the best. To, disc, to come on Discord and get a part in this show, which is live, lots of people listening, it's very good, and, and t- t- typing away, chatting away whilst we talk, is uh, anfieldindex.com forward slash Discord. To sign up to AI Pro, seven-day free trial, anfieldindex.com forward slash join. If you join the monthly, it's four ninety nine a month, but annually it's much cheaper. It works out like £3 something a month. It's thirty nine ninety nine a year. So, yeah, try and t- take advantage of that as well. We would appreciate the support. Uh, loads and loads of content goes there. We've got um, Under Pressure on there. Uh, the King is on there once a month. Jan Moby's on every week. We also have the post-match show there. Lots lots of in-depth talk on the game, minute-by-minute type coverage rather than more reaction, which is on Nina's. And um, <clears throat> so much more. James Pierce is on a couple of times a month as well now. So there's a lot going on. And as you said, rate, don't hate, tactics. Everything's covered. Fatigue. We got it all. Come and check us out. Absolutely. And speaking of Anfield Index Pro, I will be there with Media Matters um, with another episode with James Pierce and a Euro incision as well this week because we've got that Champions League big ears. It's kicking back off. So that's that. And for me, on my part, I do at least five videos a week. You can catch them all on my Instagram. All you need to do is go to my Instagram, give it a follow, support me. Um, it's a thing that I do now. It, my 
my um username i kept saying twitter handle then my username is the nina Kauser show check me out on instagram thank you so much for listening guys i hope you enjoyed that part probably wasn't an ideal result but at least we didn't lose and when they come back to manfield we're gonna flipping stuff them till next time up the reds Podcast Network.